Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. Welcome back, everyone, to the Walder Sportscast. I am your host, Chris Walder. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Walder Sports. And this is episode 59, the Ray John Tucker of this podcast. And uh, believe me when I say I had legitimately had to basketball reference this guy, with all due respect, of course. I see he played a combined five games this past season with the Denver Nuggets and Milwaukee Bucks, undrafted in 2019. So shout out to Tucker and shout out to all of you for catching today's episode. And if you want to be a pal and support me and the show, leave a rating and review when you're done here. It really does go a long way. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you ready for the NBA champions to be crowned? Well, join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? Well, with DraftKings, same game parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over 5,000 big ones. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, Adam Cole style, baby, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals, and get $150 instantly in free bets. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I'm happy to say we have a returning guest on today's show, a favorite of NBA Twitter, Raptors Twitter, and look, now sports betting Twitter. It's a good friend of the show. Her name is Noor Zainab, who now does videos and podcasting for both the Parlay and FanDuel Canada. You may remember her from the Dishes and Dimes podcast as well. And now she co-hosts a brand new podcast alongside another former guest of the pod, Karina Mustafa, called In The Zone, which covers the NBA and WNBA, which you should all be checking out. And guess what? She's also low-key a WWE fan, if you checked out our first interview together. So I'm going to drop some wrestling on her during today's show. And of course, we'll talk some Raptors basketball, some NBA Finals as well. But before I bring Newer on, if you're looking for just a pure wrestling interview, of course, then hey, you're in luck. Because I had Braden Harrington of the Up Next podcast over at Post Wrestling on my last show. I don't do a ton of wrestling on the Walder Sportscast, but I'm obviously passionate about the industry. If you follow me on Twitter, I talk about it a lot, uh, an unhealthy amount, so to speak. But having Brayden on to chat some NXT and some All Elite Wrestling and what have you, that was a, a lot of fun for me. And that's one of the reasons why I keep doing shows, because it gives me an opportunity to interact with people I respect and admire in an environment where we can just shoot the shit. And I, I love that so much about this show. So check out my podcast with Brayden whenever you like. And follow him on social media at D. With all that being said though, Noor Zainab returns to the Walder Sportscast after this quick break. So keep it locked. Perfect.
now for a second time is Noor Zainab, an on-air host and producer for both the Parlay and FanDuel Canada and the co-host of the new Inside the Zone NBA and WNBA podcast alongside former guest Krina Mustafa. Follow her on Twitter at Noor Zainab. Noor, welcome back to the Walder Sportscast. How the hell are you, my friend? I've never had a better intro. I'm I feel so great after that. Thanks so much, Chris. I've been great. It's been awesome. I've been waiting to come back on since the last time. It was it was such a blast. And uh, yeah, always good to talk to you. How are you? How's life? How's Megan? How's wedding planning? Oh, wedding planning is getting intense. You know, I'm starting to look for a suit. Uh, I got a, I got a <laughs> fitting coming up in like another couple of weeks or so. Actually, it's a, a meeting with a stylist, and Megan's going to come along with me because I don't know what to wear. I can barely dress myself when I'm just like going to work or going out in public. So I told her, like, please accompany me for this process because all I know is that I want a navy suit. And I want, like, a white shirt with, like, a salmon tie or whatnot. But how that plays out, I, I need, like, some womanly advice. So hopefully she could provide that for me. I mean, who better than her, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. And you know what? Funny story um, before we move forward here. So when I, like, a, f- a few years ago, I realized that I needed glasses because Megan would drive in the car with me and she would say, you're driving way too close to the back of cars. You're braking late. You're almost getting an accident. It's like, have you ever had your eyes tested? And I was like, I've never been in one optometrist before. Maybe I should go. So, you know, long story short, I go to the optometrist. He tells me my vision is terrible, but my mom was with me that day. And she chose the glasses that I ended up wearing for, like, the last three years. And the glasses made me look like I was 75 years old. Like, they didn't fit my face. They were, like, old school, like, 70s glasses. I don't know what the hell the person at the optometrist was thinking. But then (laughs) Megan came with me recently to get my new pair of glasses. And they're way more modern. They fit my face. I look like a million bucks. She thinks I'm way more handsome, which is, (laughs) you know, God help me. And uh, so, yeah, from now on, Megan has to be with me wherever I go because I don't know what looks good on me, Noor. So what you're saying is we should all just get married. Like, Pretty the, the much. point <laughs> is to get have a proper life, but to get proper decision-making is to get married. Like, how would you know that you were not eyesight proper <laughs> had Megan not told you? <laughs> Never trust your own instincts. And I've learned exactly. that the hard way over the years. I'm just like, just whatever Megan would do, just go with that. I mean, yeah, I'm going to apply that to myself as well. Or you I should just listen already. to you should just listen to your uh, your cat before we get started. How is Kawhi doing? I know we we talked about this prior to recording, but your famous cat Kawhi helped the Raptors uh, win a championship here. <laughs> he's he's been great. Like I told you before too, it's, I'm glad that I was able to keep one Kawhi because the other one obviously had to go. But I'm not sure if you know, but I got another cat after, and uh, well, he's he's one years old now, and his I named him Shay because I just thought you know what. I tried the whole kawaii thing. It it worked out. Like, it worked out to the best of its abilities. The only thing I couldn't do was keep him back in Toronto, but that wasn't my job. That was Masai's job. So I'm going to leave that up to Masai. But I'm like, well, now let me try it out with Shay and see if that's, like, if, you know, there's, there's some really some manifestation happening. And then if it, something comes down, then maybe I might be a witch. But if not, then, you know, I've got another cat named Shay, which is fantastic. I think Shay is a realistic goal because I know that when you named your cat Kawhi and it helped, you know, obviously with Leonard coming to Toronto, winning a championship, I feel like you would have been setting the bar too high had you named your new cat Giannis, for example. <laughs> Honestly, had you asked me that a year ago, I would have told you, you know, that's happening. I'm going to name my kid, my child Giannis because there's no way Giannis is not coming. There was like a solid maybe five, six months where I'm sure I was the most annoying person on Twitter because I was... <laughs> 
And I'm sure Bucks, the entire state of Milwaukee had me blocked because I was just like, no, he's coming. Like, enjoying him for the next two months because he's going to be ours. And he ended up being the most loyal man in every sport possible, just obviously to our luck. Well, I know you've you've zenned out a bit on Twitter now that you've got some new <laughs> positions in the industry. You even tweeted as such not too long ago, and we'll definitely explore that more so in this podcast here today. But, you know, since the last time you and I recorded, which, which was a while ago, a lot has changed in your life, Noor, because you were once a, a prominent member of the Dishes and Dimes podcast, but you've since moved on from that program to be working with both the Parlay and FanDuel Canada, of course, and from an outsider's perspective like myself, you know, looking on from afar, that transition happened very quickly for you, Noor. So for those who don't know, talk to me about how that came to be, you know, you entering the world of sports betting with the Parlay and FanDuel. Give me the backstory here. <laughs> it's To give you a backstory is would be would require me to have digested all this already and honestly i haven't it's still been very very overwhelming and it's still something that i'm learning every single day to get better at because the the one thing i will tell everyone is i don't have a background in this i haven't gone to school for this i don't i haven't worked um in professional settings before so anything i'm doing right now is whatever you're seeing me doing is i'm learning on the go which is great and it's um bad too because I'm working with people who are obviously going to be great, who will give me the, the best feedback to get better. But I'm also putting myself in a position where I'm learning, but I have a lot of eyes on me. Um, but I think ultimately that just helps me grow and it helps me get better. And that's kind of how Parlay and FanDuel happened. Uh, I think a year ago I was... Um, I was doing some contract work, some free freelance work for a company called MGK, which was also a betting mm -hmm. company in the States, and then Parlay here at the same time, which is crazy because I never saw myself in the betting area. And then um, once I got into it, I just, I really liked the narratives that it created. And I saw it beyond the gambling aspect of it, and I saw it more as an analysis-driven uh, topic. Um so I, the more I got into it, the more I started to apply it, the more I learned more about it. It just, it really uh, gave me an interest in it and it made me want to learn and get better at it. And then I guess my coworkers and my supervisors saw that. And um, Kevin, who works at the Parlay as the ex executive producer, he um, asked me to come on full time um, after August of last year. And I was actually at a point where I was deciding whether I was going to try to go to law school or if I wanted to, you know, try to pursue this thing um, and see what I can make out of it. And it was it was a time where I had to really, you know, sit down and, th and think about life and think about the next five years and think about what it is that I want to do. And I just thought that I would never get this opportunity again. And if I were to explore it, it would be the time would be now. And I said yes. And ever since then, it's been a movie. It's been <laughs> it's been amazing. I only honestly have good things. I know. There's a lot of taboo and a lot of um, uh, just competitiveness and there's some, some toxicity in sports media and just in media in general. But I've so far been so lucky to be around people who've only been there to try to help me and, and make me grow. And all I want to do is just, you know, give back in any way that I can or help other people in any way that I can because it's, it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a ride. I'm just hoping that I get better. I just want to keep getting better. 
did the newer Zainab of maybe like five years ago ever anticipate you being in this position that you're in right now? Because like you alluded to, you didn't have a background, whether it be going to school for broadcast journalism or television or media or anything like that. But now you have prominent on-air rules in the world of sports betting, which has become even bigger now in Ontario ever since it became legalized. Do you ever have to kind of pinch yourself some days and say, wow, I didn't actually see my life getting me to this point in this very moment. Have you heard of imposter syndrome, Chris? I have, because you mentioned it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know all about it. I think I talk about it a lot, too, because I'm just like, I know I struggle with it. I'm sure other people struggle with it as well. And I just want to, you know, want to assure myself as, as well as others to let them know that this is normal and this is fine. But at the same time, no, this is not something I expected at all in any capacity i was used to seeing me on twitter i was just on there saying the stupidest dumbest things and (laughs) um just hoping that you know no one would suspend me or report me for it and there was a point where i thought i would have to do the you know the, the opposite of molly morrison and um you know like go from having my face out there to becoming an Abby blog and just not have anybody know who i am because it was getting crazy but yeah it's it's um it's been it's been wild and it's something that I'm still learning every single day and I go into work and I worry about, you know, like how I'm presenting myself and how I'm learning and how fast I'm learning and um, what I could be doing more to, to get better. But at the same time, I think it's really important to just be proud of yourself and be uh, be your number one fan sometimes, too, because, you know, it's it's good to be confident. It's good to believe in your abilities, because if you don't, then who will? And if you don't, then how will you push yourself to get even better and go the extra mile? So as overwhelming, as crazy, as um, just honestly, for lack of a better word, insane, it's, it's been, it's also been just as rewarding. And I'm just hoping that I get to digest it faster than I have been in the past. So those feelings of imposter syndrome, which you which you discussed there for just a moment, and again, you you had a tweet maybe at the start of the year or the end of last year saying that you were suffering from those moments of imposter uh, imposter syndrome, the the self doubt. Even though all with all of your accomplishments, you you did still kind of self analyze and say like, how did I get here? Do I deserve to be here? But in actuality, you must think at this point that those feelings must have subsided because you've accomplished so much. You must be very proud of yourself. That's so sweet. It's, yeah, it's it's hard because it's, it's really hard to just give yourself, um, you know, like look at yourself in a positive light sometimes because all we want to do as people who want to grow in their field is to only get better. And I think sometimes like the longer you look at yourself and be like, oh, I'm doing so great, you kind of stay off track and you don't spend more time working on things that you have to work on. And i I'm the first person to tell you that I have so much to work on and I have so much to get better at from every little thing. But it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's coming a long way now where when I, uh, when I see myself getting better, when I compare the work that I'm doing now, maybe like, uh, from a year ago, I look at myself and I'm like, wow, I really have come a long way. And maybe someone is seeing what I'm able to do and they kind of like it because honestly Chris like when I first did my script for Kevin um the video I looked back maybe like three months later at at it and I was like Kevin why did you hire me why would you give this job to me I was so bad I was so terrible I did not know how to read a script like it was I didn't know how how to write a script it was crazy and now like I'm at a point where 
I'm, you know, writing my own scripts, I'm hosting, I'm producing, I'm managing a little bit, I'm uh, TikToking, I'm creating social channels, I'm making content plans, and it's it's really come a long way, and I'm just excited to see, like, how much farther I can go with this, and it, it's a big shout out to Parlay and everybody there as well, because it really has been a, a startup company, and it's been a, a small um, gathering of people trying to build this beautiful thing together, but having to be a part of something so small and then being so new to all this entire industry actually kind of served me in a really positive way because I was able to kind of just put my hand into everything, no matter what department department is, it was, and watch something come to life from A to Z and be a part of it through the entire process. So having that kind of knowledge and being able to put that, you know, like on your resume and just being able to um, help other people with that has been fantastic. So I just, I want to see how much further it can go. Well, talk to me more about the parlay specifically, because I'm not much of a sports betting guy. I feel like all the money I've made in life will go down the drain because I'm just terrible at at (laughs) making picks when it comes to sports betting. But what I do know is that you know, it's a very crowded space. A lot of these big media companies are trying to get into sports betting. They're starting their own apps. They're starting their own media spinoffs. Why should people be checking out the parlay specifically as opposed to all of those other companies out there doing similar things? Like other than you being there, of course, Noor, which is an obvious plus, why should anyone out there, you know, looking to bet on sports be listening and reading and watching the parlay? I think Primarily because what we put out isn't entirely just supposed to be based off of um, the idea of sports betting and sports gambling. We have a big emphasis on entertainment. And we're not having people come on our websites and betting because we're not exactly a betting platform. We just Mm -hmm. provide insight and we give entertainment. I mean, we provide insight in entertainment form to give um, resources and just advice on how certain picks can go down. And I think that's what kind of separates us because not only are we looking at it in an entertainment and in an entertainment value, which um, kind of takes away from that super, you know, like your suit and tie kind of deal where people come right. and they give you numbers. We're kind of putting a, a spin on it where you see more of this in the states where it's, um, you know, at House of Highlights, Bleacher Report, Barstool, things like that, where there's a little bit more lax, a little bit more emphasis on the. Uh, comedic entertainment value as opposed to putting and propping up the the spreads and the money and uh, things like that, especially because we don't have that platform to begin with. So we don't really have to do that anyway. Um, but sports betting itself has been something that's um, honestly, it, it is obviously a taboo. It can be taboo in certain areas and it's definitely hard to regulate as well because you have to be, you have to be uh, mindful of people out there who can, abuse the system knowingly or unknowingly. But the way that I look at it is if you understand, um, if you look at sports betting in a sense that it tells a story, then you can create, you can, it honestly just creates analysis for you. So let's say tomorrow, tomorrow is Boston's playing against the Warriors Mm -hmm. and Warriors are favored by four points. So I wouldn't look at it being like, okay, how much money can I make off of this? For me, that just tells me a story. It tells me that Boston is, uh, the Warriors are favored in this game because they have, they might have been the better team recently. And then if you look at player props, let's say Curry's player props tomorrow are going to be over 30 points. I'm going to say, hmm, I wonder why that is. So then you look back and you check at Curry's scoring history. You look at how he's played against Boston. You look at how Boston's defense plays with Curry. And it just allows for a lot more um, 
honestly, in my opinion, it just gives you topics for conversation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? So I, I think it, it honestly, it, it has made me such a better basketball fan. It's given me the tools and it's given me the resources as well as just the curiosity, the curiosity to kind of go out and want to want to ask questions and see why things add up the way that they do. And working at the parlay, obviously, I have had to cover um, every single game every single day in since January to the playoffs. And because of that, I've, you know, having to deep dive and having to look deep into everything. It's just it's given me um, a lot of knowledge just in the NBA and all the teams and all the players. So. I look at it in a positive light, and I think it depends on your mindset and how you go about it. There must be some nerves, though, that come with this, with being in this field as well. And, you know, obviously this is coming from an outsider's perspective who isn't overly familiar with sports betting. But, you know, when you're offering advice, it's not just sports takes that you're, like, hearing at a bar. This is people's money that you're dealing with. It's very numbers-oriented, which you alluded to. And obviously you're not holding anyone at gunpoint, of course, you know, telling them that with 100% certainty, this is what is actually going to play out in the game. But do you ever have that added pressure being in the world of sports betting to actually be accurate? Or is that just like an overstated part of the business that you're in? I think if you know NBA and if you know just the league itself, um, you would go easier on people who try to guess games for a living because <laughs> it's just crazy, right? Like, how are you going to predict the game and know exactly what's going to happen every single time? But I do think if you are in a position to be giving advice and people's money is on the line, you should do your research and at least do the best to your abilities to make sure that the money that they are listening to you to bet on has at least advice that they can rely on. And if somehow things fall through, it can, it doesn't have to be on you. It can be just on the fact that maybe the refs weren't happy that game, you know, or maybe someone was injured kind of thing. So uh, I, I, I do think the pressure and the the need to be correct is for sure there. And I take that to heart. Um, I think that if I'm going to be on TV and if I'm going to be giving someone advice, I need to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. And at the same time, I should be putting my money where my mouth is and making those same bets. So actually next year, I, I thought to myself that instead of doing um, all these games every single day, I want to give my one, you know, parlay, uh, same game parlay or just throughout mm-hmm. like an NBA parlay or whatever every single day so that people know that I'm betting on it as well. And if I lose money, we all lose money together. But if I win, we all win together. <laughs> we'll have a, like a live look at Noor Zainab's bank account. It's like the <laughs> stock market when it's going up and down based on the bets that she's making. You know, that's how we'll kind of hold her to what she's saying oh, on the parlay. Boy. Oh, I'm going to have to go into hiding. or just pass the buck like you said you know it was the referees it was the mascot it was the (laughs) fans that was never it was i was right the whole time something else happened the outside forces here up on like nbastats.com or something the the numbers were wrong it wasn't on me no exactly if we win it's it's because i helped you guys and if we lose it's because it's not my fault we can put that on adam silver it's a bart simpson i didn't do it Exactly. Put that on a shirt, a shirt for uh, Noor here. But actually, you know, scouring your Twitter, and again, not creepy. It's just for research. I'm the Nardwar, the Nardwar <laughs> of NBA Twitter. I like that uh, nostalgic uh, touch here because I'm a big Nardwar fan. But I, I saw too that you actually took part in this recent regulations of influencers panel at this recent gaming summit that you attended. How was that experience for you? Because I'm not sure how many times in your life you've been in situations like that in front of a vast live audience. Was there any nerves? Because you definitely sounded nervous when you were tweeting about it. (laughs) 
was pretty sure I'm nervous. Um, I think the, the bigger part of it, too, is because it's not just, it wasn't just based off of, you know, the NBA and the games and leagues like that. It was based off of the sports betting industry. And I'm still learning. It's something that I'm still learning. It's something that I'm still um, trying to, you know, spend my time making sure that I understand it and that I, I'm taking, I'm looking at the right um, information that's out there. Just because I don't want to say anything that's wrong or say anything that's mm-hmm. not going to be, um, you know, that's going to lead lead someone astray. So it was for sure nerve wracking, but thankfully I was, you know, our moderator was there and he we, um, he was our CEO, so we work with him as well, and he knows, like, he understands how much my like my capacity at this point, what, what that looks like. So he knew which questions to kind of like, you know, go around and uh, send to me. But ultimately it was just about the regulation of influencers when it comes to sports betting. And it really ties into your last question about how you feel about um, the pressure on to be right and the pressure to explode your followers to things like that, just as sports betting in general. And I think, um, uh, yeah, it was, it's very enlightening and it, um, it gave me a better outlook as to why I need to be even more responsible with my platform, not just in sports betting, but with um, with anything that I promote, anything I tweet, anything I retweet. There are people who are watching. There are people who are who might be impressionable, and I have everybody. Like you know, like you obviously have a bigger platform than I do, so like I'm sure you know, you can understand that too. So it's it comes with that level of um, I guess engagement and it just requires you to be more um, insightful than you've, you've been before. But I think ultimately it just makes you a better person. Well, thank you to Scotty Barnes for the the platform that I do have on Twitter. I try <laughs> to use it for the, the benefit of a, a lot of other people. But no, I mean, in, in all honesty, Noor, I think it's so, it's, it's such a positive thing to see you on a stage like that in front of so many people representing the parlay. Like it just goes to show how much faith that company has in you in such a short period of time. That must be very fulfilling for you. I can't, I'm gonna start crying. I don't have any, like, I can't say enough good things about the parlay from everybody to the top to everyone who works with me, my coworkers, my colleagues, like every single person who's there is there to make sure that they give you the proper resources to succeed because they want you to win. And seeing the, the trust and the faith and the, the potential that they see in me makes me want to work 10 times harder. It just, it gives me that, um, it, it honestly makes me say, screw you to my imposter syndrome. Cause I'm like, how can I even have time for that when I've got people I can't let down, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it's the, it's the nicest thing. It's the most rewarding thing, having people who believe in you and who want to see you do well and who give you the right tools to make sure that you are, that you are being set up for success. And at the same time, my colleagues who, you know, in areas, there might be some, uh, competition it is a a tough uh um a landscape of uh career where people are it's kind of competitive and people Mm -hmm. are always trying to jump over jobs and stuff but how we all work together and how we make sure that we're all learning from one another every day like i don't know anything about football i don't know anything about like um you know (laughs) tennis and stuff so i go into work and there are girls who are the face of those sports and they're teaching me about how NFL works. Like the other day I went into work and our coworker, Sarah, she grabbed a pen and had a huge pad of paper and she's writing down um, the NFL secrets and how it all works. And I promise you in my last 10 years of life and having guys trying to explain how NFL works, this girl explained it to me better than any man could have in 10 minutes. And it's, <laughs> it's just been, it's been so nice. It's been so rewarding and being around those kind of people that just, I, I really am a big believer in, um, 
having the right people around you. Because I think those, I mean, anything to do with imposter syndrome, anything to do with when you don't question, when you question yourself and when you question your, um, your talent, it can only be brought down and it can only be, uh, your positivity can only be heightened by people around you who know you and who love you and who know that they have to support you. So it's honestly, Parlay has been a dream come true. And every single day I'm like, please don't make it go away. You know, like I'm just <laughs> tapping things. I'm knocking on wood. I'm pinching. I don't know, whatever I got to do. I'm like, I can't, it's, it's been the best experience ever. And I'm just so thankful that it, they took a chance on someone like me who obviously had absolutely no background. Well, speaking of some of your colleagues and, you know, we, we dabbled on this subject a little bit when we last spoke about female voices and personalities in the sports media landscape and the influence that a podcast like Dishes and Dimes had on young women trying to come up in the sports media industry and the influence that like a podcast like Dishes and Dimes still has, quite frankly. But now with the parlay specifically, something that I've noticed is the emphasis that the company is putting on bringing aboard female content creators to be the focal point of that brand. What's it like being a part of that team specifically? And is this just, do you think this is just another positive step, a major step towards having more female representation in this industry. Because I remember, I think it was like scrolling through Instagram, there was a, a TikTok that one of your colleagues put out, someone about, you know, my first day, I'm worried about making friends or whatnot. And then all of a sudden, everyone from the parlay pops up behind them. And I saw a ton of female faces. Like, that's such a great thing to see in what has usually been perceived as a male dominant industry. And it's, and it still is to an extent, but I feel like that's kind of leveling off a bit. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm super thankful for the partly because I think what they're doing here, especially in the sports landscape of Canada is they're trying to push the narrative and not just in trying to show different sides of the sports and different ways to talk about the sport, whether that be entertainment, comedic value, whatever the case is, but they have a massive emphasis on representation and if you're there and if you're working there, you are going to represent what Toronto really is, what Canada really is. And I think they've they've put a massive emphasis on that. And that's seriously why you see why we all get along so well over there. It's it's they've created such a nice um, atmosphere of of women of and men as well, but definitely of women who know their sport, who know what they're talking about, who want to learn to get better, but who also want to, who are, who are professional and who want to go far and who, who just want to succeed. And I, myself, I think I've told this to you before as well. I used to come on mm -hmm. Twitter like five, six years ago, just, you know, talking to whatever girls I can find. Cause I just know I'm talking sports, sports to guys. It's, it's just not happening. So right. I would try to find girls anywhere I could to talk about sports, see whatever I could, because in my real life, like none of my girlfriends to this day, they're not big sports fans. They, you know, they try, they are the biggest supporters of me, but they still don't get what I'm talking about. So right. that was the, that was the hardest part for me because I, if I wanted to go watch games, if I want to talk about something, it's not something that I could have done with my um, immediate circle, but finding this at the parlay where not only are these women who are, you know, the face of their sports, but like, they represent women in general. They're coming in and they're wearing, you know, their Aritzia outfits. We've got our coffees and we're like, okay, so how was the game last night? And it's just really, really fun to see. And it's really cool to see that this is the right representation of women that watch sports. Like this is exactly what we want to see. And it's so important for women sitting at home to watch this too, because had I known that they were, they were 
actual spots in this industry for women to go find themselves jobs, maybe I would not have thought about law school. Maybe I would have actually gone to school for broadcasting. But mm -hmm. because I didn't see that represented in the media when I was growing up, I just thought my best bet was to go in the different route. But I think seeing, having young girls, having even women around our age or in any age, see the representation that they want to see in sports, that will only drive them to want to work there even more because now they see that this is not just a boys club. This extends to every single person. This is not gate. No one can gatekeep sports. The sports belong to everybody. It's just a matter of, a matter of marketing it to every single audience, which I think now we're finally doing. And hey, I think it's all the more reason to be supporting the parlay because it's giving so many opportunities to new content creators out there. A lot of female content creators that, I mean, let's be honest, may not have had this this chance to get into the industry because I still think some of those lost mindsets and, and philosophies that it's such a, a male-dominant industry and you have to hire males all the time, maybe not even people of color, just like the first available student coming out of college to just <laughs> fill these voids. And I know that firsthand from working from some other big media conglomerates like the score and Bleacher Report, like it, it, there was a lot of similarities in the staff that was being hired. But now, again, I look on from afar at the parlay and I'm like, man, they've really got their, you know, quote unquote shit together because they're put, they're going that extra mile to be more inclusive. And I think that's such a great thing to see. It's it, Honestly, it's been everything. And when you see the people who are in charge, when you see the people who run the place, um, keep little things like that in mind and they want to make sure that they're implementing everything properly it only makes me want to work harder it just creates a best work environment and it only gives you reasons to come into work wanting to do the best job that you can so what they've been doing has only been amazing for morale and i think every single workplace can benefit from that getting too mushy about the parlay here I mean, i'm gonna be literally sponsoring <laughs> quite a them. plug i know exactly I'm, hey look check out the parlays show them love show newer love all of the the content creators there they're obviously doing a, a great deal of great work of course and uh again you guys have got a, a fan and supporter in me because i just love the positive strides that have been made by that company and you guys are on the upswing which is really really nice to see but uh before we uh continue this parlay love fest a little too much uh, i would like to talk some basketball with you something that I haven't done in a while on this podcast. I had a wow. wrestling episode last week, and we will talk <laughs> wrestling because I, I remember what we talked about last time, Noor, that you have a, a little bit of a WWE background here. But I do <laughs> want to talk some uh, some NBA quickly with here with you. Um, I will admit outright, I have not watched a lot of the NBA Finals. I have stayed away. You know, my my mind has said the Boston Celtics are in this series. I'm not a Celtics fan. More so about the fans than anything else. I mean, the team itself, the players are great. Don't get me wrong. The fans I can't root for. And then the Golden State Warriors, for example, it's a lot of deja vu. I, I've, they've been in the finals so many times over the last decade or so. I'm kind of over it at this point. Not to say the basketball hasn't been great. I mean, could very well be. I just haven't watched a lot of it. But for you, Noor... I mean, obviously, this is part of your job to kind of keep up with the NBA. This is the finals, the biggest series of the year. What have been some of your big takeaways from this series, whether it be on the court or even off the court? Because I feel like a lot of the storylines surrounding this series have been away from the actual games itself. You know, we're talking about Draymond Green and his podcast, even the memes of, what is it, Stephen Curry's 
a family. They're they're dating a, a couple that were previously married. Like, what's going on there? But like, what are you enjoying most about these NBA Finals, Nor? Uh, I think every day I'm just hoping it's not a blowout. It's and and you mentioned that this is the year that I start to you know work into the field. It's my first year in the in, in the sports media land, but I'm also it's my first year obviously covering the NBA. And mm-hmm. of course, it's the one year where the playoffs are just a dud. It's you know <laughs> blowout after blowout every single game, the most boring series you can imagine. And the finals are they they're trying, you know, like they've had a couple games now that have been kind of close. I think game 2 obviously was going to be a blowout regardless for the for Boston, but um so far it's been it's been it's been interesting because uh, obviously, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of off court topics that have been happening, and I think the one that really caught my eye, and I just wish that we would stop talking about it, is the Kevin Durant and Curry, um, you know, oh, what yeah. they look like without each other kind of deal. Where are they now? Kind of thing, and it's just like it it doesn't serve anybody any good to you know compare and contrast because they're not on the same team anymore. One's out, one's obviously in the finals, but he's also having to carry that team, right? Like, we haven't really seen Clay be, be himself. Jordan Poole hasn't been the Jordan Poole that we've seen in the regular season in the playoffs yet either. Um, so it's, I think, like, because the games sometimes get so boring that people just need to have conversations about um, other things to make it entertaining. So, and I try to stay out of that. I'm like, I don't have the time to do <laughs> what ifs, you know? What if this happened? Who cares? Right. It's, it's never, it did not happen. This is not real life. Do you have a horse in this race at all? Like, do you genuinely <laughs> care who wins this series? Like, whether it's, again, because I, I know as Toronto Raptors fans, we're pretty much, we have that anti-Boston bias. We're obviously in the same division, and we've played them in the playoffs, and then the Golden State Warriors, obviously, we defeated them in the 2019 finals. We never cease to, to remind everyone on Twitter that we won the 2019 championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we ended that Warriors Kevin Durant dynasty. But at this point, is it just like the lesser of two evils, or do you actually find yourself rooting for someone in this series? No, not at all. This is not <laughs> I'm a horse for me whatsoever. My only thing was I, I was just watching the East quite a bit, and I saw the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I was like, the Warriors are going to come out of the West. There's just, there's like there's competition, and the West is nice, but the West isn't what the West is going to be until next year. And right now, this is just this plain path for the Warriors. So I, I, we all figured I think it was going to be a Warriors final anyway. And then in right. the East, I, you know, I, I think everything was kind of up in the air for me. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen in the East, but when I saw this, the Boston series um, with Brooklyn in the first round. And I actually had been following Boston a little bit more closely uh, once after since January because I had been covering every single game. And obviously, the teams that you hit, you pay close attention to. So I was watching them quite closely in February after and around the All-Star break and the, the trade deadline when they got Derek White. And they've been on a tear since then. And to the point where they were scary. Like, it was kind of like, what's, you know, the fact that this team can play defense, but they also have weapons. It just, it was uh it was kind of nuts and then to see what they did against the nets in game and uh in the in the first round because i was most excited for that series i was mm-hmm. like oh my god basketball fans get to watch the brooklyn nets and the boston celtics in the first round like who could have prayed for this and literally <laughs> nobody because it was a sweep so it was it was terrible and when they did that against the nets i was like oh shit like this might be it you know this might be the team that does it and i've actually been on not that not that obviously I don't support the Boston Celtics, but the team Celtics is the one that I've had coming out of the East. 
ever since uh, that round. And at this point, I was just like, well, my predictions have been kind of right. But now anybody can win. I don't really care. You figure it out. You figure out who wants to take uh, the trophy. But um, I think this actually is the one of the most tossed up series right now because it really just relies on role players. Those mm-hmm. guys, if whichever team's guy starts shooting is the team that's going to win. And how do you predict that? You don't know that. Well, this is why you've gone so zen on social media is because if you start praising the Celtics too much and you <laughs> represent Raptors Twitter, you're just going to be scalded to no end. I mean, I said a few times that I was very positive about the Celtics roster. I thought, again, like yourself, that they were probably going to go all the way this year. Maybe this was the year for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and company to kind of get their act together and finally hoist uh, Larry OB. Obviously, it's a, it's a tied series now. We don't know how this series is going to play out. But again, just from ever since the Raptors got bounced in the first round by Philadelphia, and that's a whole other story on social media about how that series played out. But I, my interest in, in this particular series, and again, I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot of basketball fans out there are enjoying like the actual basketball. This is never going to be an X's and O's podcast where we're talking about screens and, and cuts and all that crap. We're just here to talk smack noir. And, uh, and again, you've, you've gone full Zen master Phil Jackson <laughs> mode. Is there anything negative? You want to like, spew out about this particular series before we move forward, just to get it off your chest. Stop panning to the audience if you're in Boston. Stop. <laughs> like, you know how hard it makes you to cheer for that team? Or, like, to want something good for that team? Just stop. Just, or you know what? If you can, just move that team to Seattle. There you get go. Them, yeah, get them out of there. It's not going to be that big of a difference. Like, Adam Silver can afford that. That's, like, Trump changed for a weekend. Nothing to him. Just, you know, and at that point, like, no one's going to roast me for liking the Celtics. I had made the mistake of letting people know, like, on Twitter, like, hey, sorry to let you guys know, but I kind of like the Celtics in this playoffs. And the backlash I got, you would have thought I murdered someone's mom. <laughs> How dare you? You're a disgrace. How dare you go for the Celtics? And I'm like, like, I get it. I understand. But, like, the mm-hmm. team, you know, it's different as a team. But, yeah, that's my only request. I'm just like, if you move them, I can make it happen. Let me know what my part can be in that Seattle move. But just get them out of there. Well, look at it this way. When you start getting those, like, trolly responses on Twitter, it just goes to show that people on Twitter care about what you're saying. If you were a nobody on social media, they would just let any opinion that you had, whether it be positive or negative, slide. Because it's like, all right, who is this person? What do we care about what they have to say? But if you're getting those types of responses, and I've slowly but surely come to this realization as well, because, you know, you never like to hear negativity directed your way on Twitter. But at the same time, they would only say that if they actually really cared about what you had to offer to the world. That's a very interesting and positive way to look at Chris, because I, I love that. I think there's, there's, I think what maybe social, not social media, maybe what a school doesn't offer when it comes to journalism, when it comes to just marketing and stuff, is how to deal with trolls. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really good chapter on that. And it's just like, you know, maybe there are people who admire you and who are just questioning why you would say something like this or why you, your train of thought has been different over here just because um, it's different than what they expect. And that means that they follow you and they, you know, like, like you mentioned, like they rely on your opinion kind of thing. And I love that because I, I've been a big, big um, advocate for like, obviously for social media is, is it's hard. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I actually got packed up the other day because I said Justin Tatum's shoulders um, has an injury. <laughs> I and saw that, I, yeah. Yeah. And I got told, well, 
that? Like, he should be yeah. playing anyway. And, like, I'm going to go Fisher. Sounds good. But, you know, <laughs> three, four years ago for me, I would have been clapping back and getting suspended left, right. Like, I would have had to make burners to clap back to people who are replying to me. But now I can just leave my phone and move on. I don't care about anything. And I think it, it really, like, it's, it's weird to say, but the way that you start to handle social media starts to affect your peace in your everyday life. Because you just learn how to grow through that. So I really, really like your explanation of that. I'm going to apply that to myself, too. Because the way that, yeah, the way that I look at it, I'm just like, okay, that's a mean comment. It's, it's a hurdle for me to learn to not let it get to me. That's kind of how I look at it. But also like your explanation of it. So you should write a book, Chris. Well, I failed, I failed philosophy in high school, but look at me now, Mrs. Thompson. Yeah. I've come a long way. I can't believe I remember her, her name. Now, it just goes to show how much yeah, of a negative experience that was at uh, Warburn CI. Shout out to the Wildcats in Scarborough, Ontario. But, um, I mean, something that has been reinforced for me as of late on Twitter, and this goes mainly to Raptors Twitter as a whole, is this kind of gang mentality that we have, where if we don't like something that someone is saying about the franchise... We'll just jump on them like a ravenous horde and we'll just attack them to no end. And I've noticed that quite a bit over the last week or so because the Raptors have been in the news mainly with these reports about OG Ananobi and, and his apparent and reported disgruntled role within the team and how other teams are interested in acquiring his services. You know, obviously, to be more specific, we had that report from Jake Fisher who had some, you know, quality reporting. Let's give him the, the benefit of the doubt here with the Scotty Barnes stuff. He obviously got that one right. But he's coming forth with these reports about how teams are trying to sneak in and, and maybe get Ananobi on the cheap. But again, any time that we hear that anyone on the Raptors is kind of disgruntled or, you know, is upset with their role on the roster... We don't take it with a grain of salt. And I've made this comparison in the past. It's like the Toronto Raptors are like pampers. They never leak. We never hear anything about this team, whether it whether it is positive or negative. So for you, Noor, when, when you saw these reports coming out about Ananobi and others on the team being upset with how they're being utilized, how did you take it with a grain of salt? Did you put any stock into that whatsoever? Or is this just the time of year where rumors will be swirling? I think there's truth to everything in that, Chris. I think there could be truth to the fact that there's just rumors and there's teams trying to gauge how the Raptors are thinking they want to move in the future, especially even in regards to OG. Um, it could be, it also could just be true. Maybe OG's not happy a little yeah. bit. And I wouldn't blame him. You know, I think there's a lot of people on the Raptors who might be dissatisfied with how Nick Nurse or anybody else on the coaching staff has um, laid out the lineups and especially if I'm Malachi Flynn right that Flynn family must be pissed and I don't blame them I think <laughs> I think I think they have every right to be if uh, especially when Freddie's being run 45 minutes into the ground every single game I think they have a right to be and I think you're right I think I I try to steer clear of these conversations nowadays because I'm just like you know it's not my battle to bat anymore but I, I think we can't, we, we become kind of hypocritical sometimes where we question other front offices and we question everything else. But then when someone says something about our front office and our players, it's like, well, no, we are a certain way and we don't, you know, we don't move from this and our team is perfect and our guys are great and everybody's happy. It's la da it's Hawaii everywhere. And it's like, <laughs> no, like, did you know what happened the year Kawhi was here? Did they, you remember yeah. how much they alluded to locker room problems? And nothing got leaked until Kawhi left. So we have no idea what's happening in there, as you said, because rappers don't leak anything. 
So as as far as we know, OG could be up on the top. Well, do you? I was going to ask as well, and you kind of mentioned Malachi Flynn there, for example. Do you think anyone on this roster has a legitimate gripe to being upset with their role? Because I mean, obviously, Ananobi missed a lot of time due to injury. He kind of fell to like maybe the fourth or fifth option on that roster. A guy like Malachi Flynn, I mean, he was the one true backup point guard that we had on the team, but he barely got any playing time. Maybe it's uh, Eric Flynn reaching out to Jake Fisher and saying, hey, let's get some uh, some rumors swirling about my son here. Because other than that, it was hard for a lot of people in, in Raptors Twitter space to say, why would you know player A or player B be upset with their role on the team? It may only be a handful of guys. Do you think Flynn might be the biggest culprit for something like this? Or do you think as somebody else, like a more prominent player on the team, may have a, a legitimate beef with, with how he's being used? I think for sure, Flynn. I mean, we, I think we, he's made it pretty clear himself. Uh, the whole family's made it very clear. But I do, I think if anyone else besides any of the bench guys that might have some kind of beef, like it's, it's got to be OG, right? Like OG's minutes, he's almost kind of fallen behind uh, Gary Trent. And as much as you want someone like Gary on the roster who's going to give you shots and you want a bucket getter, right? But I think what we've seen from OG in terms of what he can give you on the court from both offense and defense, especially in the playoffs, that's something that you want to continue to work on. And I think the one thing that we don't do is run things through OG. We just kind of put him in the corner and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, just wait for the ball. And that's um, that's not providing him with successful tools. That's just being like, all right, well, like, run around and just wait for the ball and watch the ball come to you. And I think because we know he has so much potential and he still is so young that we really should cap, we should, we should be capping into it right now that he needs to be given the keys a little bit more. He should be given a little bit more um, leeway and freedom, especially because he's always been the guy for us in the playoffs, right? When all these other guys are falling off, it's always OG who's giving you consistent minutes. Obviously, it's not going to be uh, superstar numbers on the board, but it's consistency that he's giving you on offense and defense. So someone like that, that's someone who I would understand if he's unhappy with the fact that, well, like this one guy who gets buckets but can't do shit on the other end is the one who's, you know, getting up all and picking up all his minutes. And I also feel for him because he has been battling injuries and I, I'm sure that derails and it uh, delays everything that he's going through on the other end. And I'm not sure how much that plays into a factor for the coaching staff when it comes down to running the offense. But I, I honestly think it, like, I think there could be truth to it. I don't think, I think chalking it up to being like, oh, well, like, there's no way Oji is unhappy. It's, it's weird. Like, it's just strange. You know, like, I can't get deep into it because I don't want to piss anybody off, but I'm just like, right. How can you speak for players like that like you have no idea what they might be going through and like i said my best example is 2019 we had no idea what was happening in the background and it's it's really um like it's it's premature to convince yourself to be like no my entire team is happy here it's la-di-da it's kumbaya everyone's great and we're all getting along perfectly because this is still a business and they're all still operating as a business. OG Ananobi is so stoic too. Like how the hell does anyone know how that guy's feeling? Yeah, he keeps exactly. it close to the vest. I can't read that guy to save my life. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I mean, if you want to look deep, deeper into it, his friends have come and gone from here, right? So I wouldn't really, I don't really know if he, if he would be confiding in somebody like that. But again, that's like me really digging deeper into the locker room stuff of the rappers where I really shouldn't be doing and it's just 
surface level again like i said for me it's it could be it could be anybody but like on if it's gonna have to be the starting five it probably would be og if he does have any kind of um negativity towards it but then again as you mentioned it could be because jake fisher wants to stir some things up it could be because teams are gauging um it could be because fisher knows he gets so much engagement for raptor fans that's pretty oh, much yeah. all they're doing all the time or it could be because he's right and og is dissatisfied so we'll we'll only i think we'll never know actually because oj could be staying here and he still might be dissatisfied you know so we'll probably never know well, Scotty Barnes said everything is okay, and that's good enough for me, my friend. I, I subscribe yeah. to the, the the gospel of Barnes. He's taken me to the promised land once before, and if he says that OG is okay, I will ride that to the ends of the earth. But uh, again, thank you so much again for, for doing this podcast, Noor. I just want to say uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you on this podcast. But before we sign off, like I do with all of my guests here on the Walder Sportscast, I do have some fun questions to send you on your way. Oh, okay. My best part. All right, so you recently tweeted about this as well, but you actually did mention this on our previous podcast, so I had to hold you to it. You say that you know all of the words oh to John God. Cena's entrance theme. <laughs> my time is now. So I'm at, so what I'm going to do to actually test this, I'm going to throw some random lyrics at you and I'll see how much you remember from that entrance theme, okay? So you just have to fill in the blanks for me. Sounds good, let's go. A soldier and I stay under you fighting cuz I'm Storming on you chumps like I'm thunder and lightning. Oh, I like it. You even <laughs> had a little bit of swag today. You got all the words right. I had to make sure I got this word for word. I'm not going to let you off the hook if you get like one word wrong in that So I got to get like, it can't be a G at the end, right? It's got to be like an N. This is like, forget the lyrics. What is isn't okay. there like a game show right now where like you can't even be like a single word off, you know? And again, you've said oh, the, yeah. you pushed this on social media and you said this on the last podcast that we did that you remembered all the lyrics. All right. So you got one, you got one for one here. I set myself up. I get it. No there worries. you go. But how about this? Ain't no way you breaking me, kid. I'm harder than nails. Plus I... Keep it all locked like I'm part of the jail. There, yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> I was worried there for a second. I, I was know, like, uh-oh. So oh, my goodness. All right. So here's, here's one more. Okay. In any weather, I'm never better. Your boy is so hot. You never catch me in the next man. You never catch me in the next man sweater. Oh my goodness! Three if for three. If they hate, let them hate. I drop your whole clan. Lay oh your my ass god! Down for their sweet three second tan. Chris, this is the, this is the greatest moment it. in the history of this podcast. <laughs> you should I, honestly, if you don't clip it, I'm clipping it myself. Oh I'm my putting god. this on my. I'm gonna like quote tweet my initial tweet that I could do, and I'll be like, I was, I was tested by Nardwar, and there I passed the test. I'm I'm pleasantly because I'm horrible with lyrics. I'll I'll sing in the car to certain songs and I'll just like start mumbling just because I'm like I think I know what they're saying, but I'm gonna butcher it any second now. But you absolutely killed that. You you were definitely a major John Cena stand back in the day. I also just love rap. Like um, rap is has always been my thing. Is it rap though? What are we are we calling this rap? It's rap. Come on, John Cena's rap. That was that. That's like what got me. Which I was like, ooh, fast paced. But I've always been a big rap fan. Like literally, I'm, it's kind of embarrassing. But with like Eminem and then Kanye, Jay Z, everybody else, I used to watch like YouTube videos and memorize mm -hmm. the lyrics. So I think I sat on probably John Cena's YouTube, probably maybe like 50 hours trying to memorize the whole song. 
and it's paying off on this podcast today. <laughs> I was I was going to ask too. Does your um, father still watch WWE? Oh, every single week, Chris. He, he can't week. kick the habit, eh? You can't, and he knows everything's fake. He knows every single thing is fake. It's all scripted, everything, and he's still like, nope, it is what it is. Like he comes to me sometimes when he's like, he can't find WrestleMania the pay per view event, and he'll be like, oh, can you like you know stream me and put it up on the TV so I can watch it? He's to this day, he's completely hooked, and I think he's probably going on like I don't know, thirty years now. Oh, he's probably the longest guys. fan. The illegal yeah. streams. He's like, get this on the internet for me. I'm not paying twenty bucks for this. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you know the stuff, right? Go on Reddit and Reddit, get it for me. And I every single time I get it, and he's uh, hooked for like three, four hours after. And he literally plans his week around it. So if I'm ever like, hey dad, like, are you available Sunday night or you know Friday evening? He's like, it's Friday night SmackDown. No, I'm not. <laughs> like, are you good Monday? It's my night raw. No, I'm not. So it's it's always been a thing. Does he really look like the Undertaker? <laughs> Back, back in, you know, Undertaker's, um, the face he had when he used to wear the bandana and he had the motorcycle. American badass. The American badass, exactly. So we put, I gotta get a picture one time. We put my dad in a bandana and he used to ride a motorcycle, like, back in, uh, back in the country. And we, like, just wanted to get a picture and see how similar it was. And it's, it's pretty spot on. Like, Undertaker for sure has a lot of pounds and height on my dad. My dad's still, like, the facial features. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much Undertaker. It's kind of trippy. Does he have the signature goatee as well? No, he's got a beard and a mustache. Oh, he's got a <laughs> so beard. Oh, yeah. so he just went full beard. He Undertaker full gave beard. up on his facial hair. He's like, I'm not trimming this. I'm just letting it go. Next Halloween, I'll be like, Dad, you got to go goatee. We have to see this in live action. I'm going to like walk him around the Raptors or something and be like, hey, guys, Undertaker cosplay. <laughs> Going back to John Cena for just a quick second here, how would you kind of grade his initial stint into Hollywood? Because obviously The Rock is this, you know, the, the apex of wrestlers making the transition over to acting as a full-time actor. John Cena, he, he's had some hits and misses along the way. Do you have any favorite John Cena movies that have been released thus far? <laughs> Are there any? <laughs> I When you said that, you were like The Rock, I was like, I think. John Cena's his his entire um I don't know like I think he he just did well in wrestling I'm not sure how how great he was when he came to Hollywood because obviously he was famous but I think his the fame he got was more so people laughing at him than like Mm -hmm. you know like actually admiring his work kind of like how The Rock usually has things but I mean I watched The Marine when it came out 2006 but you're a fan (laughs) I was I was a big fan. I I think I even have the DVD or something. And I mean, it wasn't the best movie, but I watched it for him. And uh, I I think he's he's got to stick to the wrestling. Like I think he learned that he got it. He tried to be a serious actor. It didn't really go anywhere. He could have probably just stuck to comedy. I think that was that that was kind of that would have been his uh, main bread and butter. I I want to say kind of like Blake Griffin, um, and NBA and stuff too, but. Yeah, no, he, I think he chose the right path for himself. Well, I've heard good things about Peacemaker, that um, DC comic spinoff from the uh, the oh, Suicide no Squad. Yeah. He was supposed to be really good in that, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I personally I haven't seen that. it. I, yeah, take that back. Never mind, I forgot he was in that. But I haven't seen it either, so I, for me, the knowledge that I have is the Marine, so it's not that great. Well, he's not winning an Oscar anytime soon. I mean, we're not <laughs> going to set the bar that high, but, you know, he, he hasn't, you know, crapped the bed 
as an actor just yet. He's getting bigger and better roles, and he's more so a comedy actor, like you mentioned. And again, he's not going to be alongside Meryl Streep uh, for any big uh, productions. But again, I could be wrong. I mean, John Cena really stepping up his game. But, you know, speaking of of watching, uh, and again, I always ask my guests this here on the podcast. We did discuss this last time when I ask about what you're currently binge watching or what are the shows that you're currently catching online or with streaming services or whatnot. And you mentioned last time that you're you're a big it's always sunny in Philadelphia fan. You'll always watch the reruns of that. You'll catch it. I don't know where it's streaming these days. But are you, are you catching anything else? I know there's a lot of big big name programs like the the Stranger Things is huge right now. Obi-Wan is out on Disney Plus. What has Noor's attention at the moment? Um I'm trying to finish up Ozarks. It's uh, I think I'm on like the last few episodes of the last season and uh, that's kind of been my binge recently. But beyond that, honestly, it's it's, it takes a, I'm looking for recommendations actually. If anybody's got a good TV show for me, please send it out my way. I would prefer it to be maybe comedic, you know, just like in the background kind of thing, or even like a drama, whatever you want to send my way. But I haven't been watching anything else besides that. I think mostly I'll just do reruns of, um, you know, it's always sunny or parks and rec. <laughs> and uh, recently I, I just finished Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Okay. And I think I watched that maybe like twice right after I finished it. Cause I just loved it so much. And the Larry David's the best. Um, but yeah, no, beyond that, I'm looking for recommendations. If you got anything, Chris, yourself, if you have anything, please let me know. I need to get back in the TV game. Uh, I did. Megan and I finished Ozark recently. We we just finished off the last two episodes. I will say the finale is very divisive. I I saw a lot of mixed reactions online, so I was kind of setting myself up for failure. It was okay. I mean, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you think after you finish the entire series. I I'm still kind of torn about that finale, but actually, um, Megan and I started watching a show on Netflix last night. It's called um Love on the Spectrum. Um, and it's about, um, people like adults, young adults, or even older adults with autism who are getting into the dating game and how much of a struggle that is. And they're learning the foibles of, you know, being, you know, social and interacting with other people. It's actually quite fascinating. And I- I'm rooting for these people hard because it kind of takes me back to when I was a young man and trying to date and I had no idea what I was, what I was doing and whatnot. So I'm kind of seeing myself in, in, through the eyes of these people, but no, these, they're incredible folk and, Again, I, I kept telling Megan, oh, I'm rooting for this guy. I'm rooting for this girl. They seem so nice and genuine. And I think the world needs more people like that. Just people who are just like so thoughtful and caring and, you know, not not the toxic people we'll see on Twitter every day. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Is that on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Yeah, it, it was based on a British series of I think it was of the same name. And, and Megan caught the British version. And then we started watching the uh, the American version recently, and there was like this young girl who was doing like those uh those speed dating things, like they were in a park, and like every five minutes you alternate, and she was not feeling any of the guys until the very last guy, and I was like, ask him out, like don't don't ruin this or whatever, and I I just think it's a very just nice and and an easy watch. No, I love that, and I love that like this is something that Twitter can't really spoil for you. Because I had every single show spoiled for me on Twitter. So I'm like, oh, what's yeah. the point of me watching it? Or you know, like when you're scrolling Twitter and everyone's just like giving you live updates of what they're watching. I hate that. And I'm just like, I'm watching it with you at this point. So what's the point for me? And I'm like, what was that show that came out during um uh the pandemic? The Squid Games? Oh, the Squid Games. Yeah, Squid Games. Yeah, like I never watched one episode because I just spread my timeline. 
everyone told me what was going to be happening, so I never, never have to watch one second of it. It's been mean to death. <laughs> it's, seriously, and it's just like, oh my god, if you're watching something, stop live tweeting. I gotta watch it too. <laughs> but I think that's why I'm kind of just been like, what's the point of me watching it when it's gonna get ruined anyway? But right. it's something like that can never get ruined. So I'm on board, and it's like something you know, it's nice in the background, it makes you feel good. It's feel good television. I'm on board. You got me sold. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> so, trick question here for you, Noor. What common trait does the legendary Michael Jordan and Noor Zainab have in common? I have something in common with Michael Jordan. You sure do. Joking? Well, when the lights are brightest and the cameras are rolling, the tongues come out. (laughs) Talk to me (laughs) about this photo trait of yours, because I feel like every photo I see you in, the tongue, like Michael Jordan himself is out in full force. Is that just something that comes naturally to you, or, or what's the story behind the tongue door? I'm going to have to log off right now. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Look, I asked the hard-hitting questions here on the podcast. The people have to know. I think, you know what it is? It's 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 a, it's a like a sudden... Um, just it's what it's my go-to because I'm I just don't know what else to do. Like for me, smiling, I'm like when I'm smile and on camera, it's to me it seems really really forced and just not it just does not seem like me. And if I do anything else, I'm like, you know, I can't pose, I can't do anything. It's too much. So I just for me the easiest way to fake yourself camera ready is to be like, okay, do the duck face or get your tongue out. <laughs> That's my breed in that moment. And like I think back after, I was like, why did I do that? Why is my tongue out in every picture? Why am I throwing up the deuces sign in every single picture? But it's just, I'm like still back in 2006 Tumblr mode. And all these girls are in like, you know, their Instagram influencer fashion. But I'll get there, Chris. I'm going to start making, like the fact that you called me out means that I have to start practicing myself in the mirror or something. Look, I find resemblances in all the photos. And and I'm like, Noor really likes sticking her tongue out in these (laughs) photos. And and this might be the most obscure question. And I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. I do apologize if if you took it that way. I love it. But um, yeah, when, when the tongue is out to that degree, and again, I, I thought Michael Jeffrey Jordan with with all of these photos, and I'm like, has anyone ever brought that up to you before? No, no one's made that connection with Michael Jordan, but I love it. It's my well, MJ year. You'll remember this it. podcast for the rest of your life because I'm oh, the first bro. and only person in your life to bring this up to you, so I'm very flattered. And or maybe I'm first... just really weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think probably everyone has told me about that before, but the fact that it's on podcast now is the best thing ever. And um, also, like, this is just me singing um, John Cena. That's never happened before. I don't think anyone's to... had me quizzed for that. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd have to do a John Cena to quiz me for that. So no one's even been like, oh, he's better. The rap song? Tagging John Cena uh, when I post this to Twitter <laughs> because I want to see. Oh, of course. It, look, that guy follows like half a million people and he doesn't follow me. I'm very disrespected <laughs> at this point. I'm being left out of the cool kids club. But um, let, no, me, Chris, let me ask. We're going to manifest this together a year from now. It's not going to be me. It's going to be John Cena on the podcast. Sportscast with Chris. Christopher Walder featuring John Cena. Look, I'm trying to get Can't Scotty Barnes. I'm trying to get Vince Carter. I'm, I'm trying to get bigger and better guests. I don't know if anyone will pass this one because, I mean, look, we're, oh, we're, we're soaring into the sun right now like Icarus. But, uh, uh, l- a- <laughs> well, l- let me ask you this, too. But we're, we're talking about the, the toxicity of Twitter and the Twitter trolls out there. Which group do you think is more toxic, Noor? NBA Twitter trolls or customers that you dealt with while working retail for Rogers Communications? NBA Twitter trolls. Easy. Oh, yeah. 
there's yeah there's like there's no comparison at all rogers was pretty bad because like you know you're dealing with uh just rogers itself it's people and plans and money and obviously rogers himself is i can't i don't know if i could say that for rogers here but mm-hmm. they're you know they're raising prices and people get mad so there's not much you can do about it so it's, it's it was a pretty bad situation but a thousand percent over and over again and be a twitter and be a twitter is the reason why i am more calm and zen in my life now <laughs> because it they've just given me a reason and they've given me the tools to learn how to not let anything bother me anymore like i tell everybody this i'm like three years ago i would be like the most the loudest person on there and i would be saying whatever i wanted to anybody that i wanted and i would clap back the loudest too because i just don't like it when people disrespect and they don't expect that to be taken back because i'm like i'm gonna disrespect you back for sure but now i'm like you don't have to it's okay just let it go and it's been the best thing ever just peace-wise and life-wise so for me for sure nba twitter they don't even know it they probably hate the fact that they've helped me and i feel like with nba twitter too it can get more personal like if you had a disgruntled customer in retail they're more so upset about the situation and they're just looking to take it out on somebody but if Uh someone directly attacks you on twitter that's more so at you than the company itself Oh, absolutely, for sure, because they're going straight at whatever content, whatever you've put out, right? So it's either one of your tweets, something that you've retweeted, an opinion of yours, anything like that. So it's it's definitely personal, more so that way. And like I said, it was the biggest honesty hurdle to learn because you really just have to let people say whatever they want and you can't let anything bother you and you can't ha- even have an inkling of wanting to say something back. But it really, really did help me just become a better person and become more patient and more tolerant of everything else. And I think ultimately it's just like, you know, they, like I said, they hate it, but they're just helping me. Well, lastly, Noor, to close off this podcast, if you were to be off social media completely effective immediately, no more Twitter, no more videos, podcasts, the parlay, FanDuel, everything which has you as an online presence, that's gone as of right now. What's the one thing you would want your followers and supporters to most remember you for? Just maybe my humor. I I think uh, if I was, I started off on Twitter just saying things, knowing that it might make someone smile or laugh. And I knew that it, sometimes like I made myself laugh. <laughs> so I was like, maybe <laughs> it's something that other people can resonate with as well. And, you know, it, it came to a point where sometimes like I'd make jokes and I'd just be like, oh, I didn't expect something like that to come out of my mouth. and you know, just making people laugh and making people smile and not give people a reason to get angry or like, I, I would love to be that informative person who's coming to you with knowledge and, and facts about the game and things like that. But I think there are a lot more better suited people who are in the industry for that, such as, you know, yourself and so many other people who are out there. But I think for me, I started off just as an entertainment person, not per- entertainment person, but just someone who wanted to get jokes off on Twitter. And I think the fact that that has what's gotten me here has just been the foundation of who I've been. So the only thing I would want people to remember me by and to just continue to kind of implement themselves too is to take things lightly, to make a joke out of it and to not take anything or themselves too seriously because life is hard and there's no reason to make it harder. Well, thankfully you're not going anywhere anytime soon, Noor. I mean, I just like, I like to deep, go deep with the final question here on the Walder Sportscast. But in all honesty, Noor, you, you truly are a star on the rise. I joked about it earlier, but I'm glad I got you back on the podcast before you're next to impossible to get on. I have to go through agents. I'll have to go through the parlay. I'll have to go that through FanDuel. She's going to have to sign a million contracts to come on the show. But uh, again, I'm so grateful for your time. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, Noor. 
before we sign off, remind the listeners where they can find you on the web. Uh, they can find me everywhere um, on Twitter, Instagram, especially uh, just, you know, as Nora Zainab. And then at the Parlay, I do hosting and producing as well as FanDuel. Um, and I host a, pod- a podcast with uh, Karina called In the Zone. It's actually going to be out tomorrow. Uh, Karina won't be there. It's going to be Chelsea subbing in because Karina will be on vacation. But that's where we cover the NBA and the WNBA, which is something that I'm learning on the go. So a lot of what you'll see me do is learn. So just get ready for the ride. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. And that was my interview with the master of thugonomics herself, Noor Zainab. <laughs> Catch her on Twitter at Noor Zainab, dropping rhymes like that. An all-time moment for this podcast. And there's been some memorable ones. There's been some doozies along the way. But such a fun chat with her. And her success in the world of sports betting and sports media in general truly deserved. And like she said, she's begun not being too hard on herself, which is really good to hear. And it's difficult to do that in this broader media landscape. We all want to stand out, but Newer certainly does that. This has been episode 59 of the Walder Sportscast, so please leave a rating and review if you enjoyed today's show. Let me know what you think. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, Amazon, literally freaking everywhere you download your shows. Obviously, I want Scotty Barnes to possibly join me one day. Please, sir, if you're listening, but Noor has now lifted the bar. John Cena, I can see you, my friend. Let's do a podcast together. For now, though, that is another one in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.